Okay, you may have guessed that we're um, looking at prayer tonight, um, a second part of our, our study of the Lord's Prayer. So if you turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse 38 into chapter 11 to verse 13. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And if you've got a church Bible there, it's page number 918. Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and he said to them which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed I cannot rise and give to you I say to you though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs so I say to you ask and it shall be given it will be given to you Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that who ask him? So read the word of God. Let's come uh, again um, to our hymn books, um, hymn number 416. It's 416 Christian hymns. Thank you. 
Before we look at God's word, let's come to, to prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you would help us to, to pray aright as we've just been singing, Lord. We just pray you would help us. Teach us, Lord, from your word. Teach us to pray, Lord. Help us to um, live our lives um, according to, to your word. Help us to, to open our eyes, Lord. Open our ears this evening that we may hear you speaking to us. It's not just the words of the, the speaker, that's your words speaking to us, Lord, each one. Lord, we pray that uh, needs, uh, uh, there are many needs that, that are here tonight, Lord. We've come from various places this day and uh, in various circumstances. And Lord, we just pray that you will meet uh, each one here this evening. Lord, we thank you that you have said where one or two are gathered together in your name, you are there in the midst. Lord, we believe you are here with us and we just pray that you will bless us, be near to us. Lord, we pray that we may follow you more closely day by day. And Lord, we may uh, be earnest in all that we do uh, before you. Lord, we pray now that you will forgive all our many sins. Lord, we ask this in our dear Saviour's name for his sake. Amen. So we um, continue um, this evening with a second um, study in, in the, on the Lord's Prayer. And we reach, um, we reach verse 1 and the second part of, of verse 1. Uh, Hallowed um, be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Listen to what Spurgeon says about prayer. If you could pray the best prayer in the world without the Holy Spirit, God would have nothing to do with it. But if your prayer be broken and lame and limping, if the Spirit made it, God would look upon it and say, as he did upon the works of creation, it is very good. Thank you to Mike for that quote, because it was posted on, on WhatsApp a few weeks ago for the, in, in the devotional. So... Thank you. And there's a great amount of truth in, in Spurgeon's words. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, um, this instructed us how to pray, but even more so that the Lord's Prayer uh, would, that we just read together, that that would teach us um, how to pray. Yes, we come boldly. Yes, we do. But we also come humbly before the throne of, of grace. And this is the spirit in which it seems best to approach prayer with a broken, and we sang that, a broken and contrite heart. It's on our knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, and also with a teachable spirit, just as one of the disciples um, said to the Lord, teach us how to pray. Um, and as we look at the words of the Lord Jesus, we um, have an answer to that question. We're taught what it is we are to pray for. And I'd like to divide what we're looking at tonight into three sections. First of all, pray praising God in our prayers, so glorifying and praising God in our prayers. Secondly, praying for God's will, praying for God's will. Uh, and thirdly, persistence, being persistent in our prayers. So let's provide some context to the text we have here. We've reminded recently, uh, a text without the context is a pretext. So let's give it some, some background. The, the, prayer, the Lord's Prayer is a summary of the whole Bible. Bible's teaching on prayer in just about 36 words. In the English language. Everything the Bible says about prayer is concertinaed into these 36 words. But of course the whole word of God is, is to direct his people on how to pray. 
uh, but the, the special rule of direction is the pattern of prayer which Christ gives taught his disciples in the Lord's Prayer. And I'd add to that, it's not, it's not there, uh, and his reply does not intend us to be um, a form of prayer that we uh, regularly recite um, and, mi- and just mindlessly re- repeat. It's a framework on which to build a whole prayer life. In Luke's Gospel, these words were given immediately after Jesus had finished praying. You remember on the other occasion in Matthew, he was, on the, he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and this was during, he, he said, the Lord's Prayer during the sermon. So the account here entirely agrees with what the account you have in Matthew. Um, but on this occasion, he was in Judea. And then in Matthew's account, he was on this, uh, in Galilee. And the commentators have suggested that he may have been on the Mount of Olives because this was somewhere where he would have regularly gone to, gone to pray, not far from Bethany. And when he had ceased his prayers and got off his knees, one of the disciples, it could have been one of the 70 that were called to, to um, that he was called to one of his and asked him, how to teach me how to pray. The disciples looking to, to the Lord Jesus as his master, more qualified than John the Baptist before him, uh, on this very important topic and, and asked him how to teach uh, him how to pray. And when Jesus spoke, it was not to one individual, it was to the whole company that were, were there. The instructions uh, Christ was about to give was to it, concerned to all of them, whether they'd heard it before or whether it was they had not. And we come on to this first point, uh, hallowed be your name. There's so much profanity, isn't there, uh, of the Lord's name. I mean, we hear it in the office so often. We hear it in the street. We have to teach our children not to lightly, flippantly use God's name. And also the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ often used as a swear word. We're not surprised by this at all. It's always been the case, hasn't it? I've recently been reading about John Newton, the 18th century slave trader, and he was, uh, had a reputation before he was wonderfully converted for, for profanity. And as we know, he later became a pastor and preacher of the gospel. But it pains us all the, time, all the same, doesn't it? The Lord Jesus, a name that's, and God's name that's so precious to all those that are trusting in him, that have a personal relationship with him and a certain hope through, of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 20 in the second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We need an outpouring of God's power in this village of Belvedere to change hearts and bring souls into that right relationship with him so that they can see the true nature of God and glorify him and his name. Hallowed be thy name. God's name is hallowed. It's holy. It's a wonderful name, a name above all names. And it should be our first desire and prayer of our hearts um, that, that our Father in heaven, let your name be glorified. Let it be treated as holy. Let it be glorified. Let it be sanctified. Hallowed be your name. Be glorified, Lord, as a holy God. <coughs> Furthermore to this, there's the names we have in the Old Testament of God. We have Jehovah, Jireh, God the Provider, Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah, and so on. And of course, in addition, we have the many characteristics of God. God is faithful. God is good. God is love. But let's not be... Um, under an illusion that God is some fluffy being uh, floating on a cloud. God is to be feared in the sense that he is righteous, he's just, and ultimately sin will have to be dealt with. 
it has been dealt with of course for all believers on the cross but it will, one, it, it will be punished um, and there is a day of reckoning when all men and women will give an account we're not to take God lightly hallowed be your name it's impossible isn't it to fully understand the majesty of God it's so far from our comprehension we're told here to acknowledge God uh, and declare God to be holy and, and glorify him and all his perfections in Psalm 99 verse 3 we read this let them praise your great and awesome name he is holy Matthew Henry writes about this verse let our hearts rejoice because we have trusted in your name let us always give thanks and triumph in your praise Enable us to glorify your name forevermore by praising you with all our hearts as people uniquely possessed by the Lord. Let us show forth praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. On a practical note, perhaps some of you have found one of the blessings of working from home is that we don't have to listen to so much swearing profanity. There's been some, a little bit of relief from it. But, I, uh, but on the other hand, I appreciate as many who have no choice in their place of work. So let's seek to, to be that sort of light of this world, wherever the Lord, Lord has placed us to be and to serve him, in a world um, in the world, but not of the world. Um, the called out one, ones, called out ones. Um, you'll know those groups, um, like, for example, like the Brethren, or a more extreme example, the Amish, who take this very literally and almost and come out in their own community from, from the world and have nothing to do with anything modern or to do with this world. But actually you're not um, if you're not in the world how can you influence it for good how can you be that salt and light or that lampstand on a hill how can you be that without being in the world and I once had a, a colleague in, in the office who specifically asked me um, well why don't you why don't you swear um, and that then immediately opens up an opportunity doesn't it to explain the reason for the hope uh, within us what's the first question in, in the shorter catechism what is the chief end of man Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So let's praise God and, and glorify him. The Lord teaches us uh, to pray, hallowed be your name. And our next point, your kingdom come, you will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are we praying according to God's word? We have the revealed will of um of god in in his word the bible uh, it's his revealed uh, will to us we're we praying according to his will um what could be more encouraging to hear than believers in christ approaching the throne of grace approaching christ and express with expressions of prayer that are honored by the lord the old puritans used to call it pleading the promises god has made his prom made promises his people respond by directing those promises to the lord in the form of prayer how could a God who is faithful to his word fail to answer prayers of this kind? He has promised. He's, he will honour that promise. So if Christians could join together and form their prayers with maturity and insight provided by scripture itself, the impact could not be measured. Matthew Henry, in his book, The Method of Prayer, discusses five topics uh, to follow. In, and you can follow these in your private devotions. It's beyond uh, the scope of what we're studying and looking at tonight. But I just mentioned them. There's the prayer of prayer with of praise, prayer of confession. There's a prayer of petition, prayer of thanksgiving, and prayer of intercession. But I just want to provide a word of caution here. You may say, well, 
Do you know what, Pete? I can only just, on a number of occasions, mutter a few words to God in prayer. I don't have all these airs and graces, pleading the promises or whatever you're calling it. And remember what we said at the beginning about how we come to the Lord in prayer. And Spurgeon's words ring true. If your prayer be broken and lame and limping, our prayers are best, aren't they, said on, on our knees. And God sees our hearts and, our, and hears our heartfelt prayers, if only a few stuttering words. And come as you are. Come in all your weakness and all your need. At times, for sure, we all feel, feel like this. Let's not be hindered from prayer uh, or straightforward prayers. But what I'm saying is this. If you read God's word, pray about it. Pray with, with God's word. Pray alongside it. Seek God's will through his word. You won't go too far wrong, will you? Ask anything according to his will. He hears us. God promises to answer our prayers. One condition is according to his will. We can be confident that what we pray for, God will answer according to his will. We can find, we find, so we find out what is in God's will, in his word, the Bible, and we pray that it will come to pass. Turn the promises of God into petitions. Gerard, Gerard uh, Hemmings says, Abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus abiding in me, with Christ-shaped desires, Christ-shaped prayers, it's inevitable that God will hear and answer prayer. Well, that's straightforward then, isn't it? We pray according to his, his word and our prayer is answered. Well, you're probably asking this question, what happens when I ask according to his will and no answer, answer comes? What about unanswered prayer? Uh, if you're looking for answers um, about unanswered prayer, it's a very... It's a tricky topic and I'm going to have to disappoint you and say I can't specifically say uh, the prayer that maybe is on your heart why it's not being answered. That's, we're not going to have all the answers tonight. But I just want to encourage you, keep on praying alongside reading God's word. Um, I'm, I'm aware that each one of us here is at a different stage of our Christian life. Some of us may have been praying for matters for many years regarding health perhaps, financial worries or family concerns. I'd encourage you, keep on praying. Explore God's word. Pray according to his will. Uh, there's a great strength in perseverance in prayer. And we'll come on to that in our final point. So one point that our passage does address um, is, are we asking for the right thing? And if we look at verse 11 to 13. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he, get, if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So what happens if I ask for a scorpion and think we are asking for an egg? Does that make sense? <laughs> no, but we're like little children. We don't know often what we are asking, whether what we're asking for is good. So God says, no, he'll give us the egg, even though we were praying for the scorpion and should have prayed for the egg it's not that he doesn't give us anything no the thing we ask for um, he doesn't give us the thing we ask for he gives us a better thing if we had a greater knowledge more maturity and understanding uh, we would have asked for it and when we get that what he's prayed for we think well that's what I meant in the first place Abraham prays that Ishmael may have may be the chosen son Oh, that Ishmael may be the line before you. And God says, no. Sarah, your wife, 
will bear a son and his name will be Isaac? God says no. Because the answer to the prayer is going to be so much better. There's going to be an Isaac. So let's remember that God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we want. He has a bigger and a more perfect plan. So it's coming to our, come to our final point. Give us day by day our daily bread. Our prayers don't just stop there. Again, Gerard Hemming states, we must be persistent in prayer to the point of rudeness. Bold, impotent prayer pays off. We see in verse 5, and he said to them, which of you have, have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three nut loaves. So there's a knock at the neighbour's door to lend three no- loaves. And then this is a time of um, hospitality when they would welcome each other in. But it's midnight. It's no surprise that he tells him to, to go away. So what's he going to do? Is he going to tiptoe away? Does it matter enough to go on asking, seeking and knocking? He's, he's going to be annoyed, uh, annoyed to, the, to force the grumpy neighbour to get out of bed and help him. Are you prepared to take no for an answer? How much does it matter to you? Because of his impatience, his cheekiness, uh, he's bold to the point of rudeness. Uh, there's persistence. Um, and it pays off. Uh, in the end, the, uh, the lo- he's given the, the loaves. Uh, verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So anyone that seeks, finds, and knocks, it is opened. How much more confident of God's help when we ask, seek, and knock? He's not a grumpy neighbour, is he? A few years ago, we woke up about one o'clock in the morning and there was a banging at the front door. We were a bit hesitant at first, wondering what it was all about. However, the knocking continued more loudly and more urgently. I got up and went to the door and one of the neighbours was outside and his first words were, well, you're a heavy sleeper, aren't you? You might, you might want to come outside because uh, your car has been, been hit uh, on the road. And yes, there were police were there. Uh, there were the corner of the car was, um, was smashed in. And, and, but however, the neighbours persistent helped us out because we were able to get the details of, for the insurance and later make a claim for the damage against uh, on our car. And if the neighbour hadn't persisted, we would have... We perhaps wouldn't have got all the details we needed to, from, the, from the driver and make the claim for the damage. So we were there on that instance with that grumpy neighbour. Yeah, it was no use knocking timidly, was it? Uh, there had to be a persistence, there had to be an urgency uh, with their knocking. That unanswered prayer, are you going to take no for an answer? How much does it matter to you? Does it weigh heavy, heavily upon you? You can't stop now, go on knocking, asking. Uh, seeking to the point of rudeness keep hammering as it were on that door when you knock at God's door you won't find a grumpy reluctant friend you'll find our loving heavenly father who knows to get who have to give good gifts to his children so brothers and sisters how much does it matter to you are you prepared to take no for an answer there's a wonderful story about praying for unconverted children and it's that convert it's the conversion of Augustine of Hippo who has shaped Christianity for the last 1700 years He had a godly mother, Monica, who persevered in prayer for him. As he got older, he cast off all restraints, indulged in sexual pleasures, many philosophies, all kinds of sin. He later described it as as being rolled in dung. Imagine the impact on his mother 
She was heartbroken as he went deeper and deeper into sin. She prayed and she prayed on. God alone witnessed her tears, sighs, her groans. Augustine later wrote, My mother wept for me more than mothers weep after bodily death of their children. That's because Augustine felt that she thought that he, she thought he was dead, dead in his sins. She wept for him and it seemed her incredibly gifted son was lost. Such was the weight on Monica of unanswered prayer. She couldn't stop praying, couldn't stop asking, seeking, knocking. She refused to take no for an answer and pursued Augustine with her prayers. And in the end, Augustine couldn't outrun them. And the Lord answered them. He didn't despise her tears. In the end, her prayers for Augustine were answered and he was wonderfully converted. Not long after he was converted, they had time together, mother and son. What did they talk about? About glory and about the wonders of it all. And then, very unexpectedly, a few days later, Monica died. It was almost like her life's work was to pray for her son. When that work was done, the Lord took her home. What praying, what persevering, and God had an answer, year upon year, tears, groans, uh, and those answers were beyond what Monica had even thought. Uh, Augustine, the giant of a man, these thoughts and writings that were so much of an influence to generations, uh, prayed by a godly mother. So Christian friend, brothers and sisters, don't lose heart. Is there a burden that you can only be eased when you pray? When you pray, there's a little rest. God has placed this burden on you. Has God given you a burden? Well then pray on. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep knocking. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we read, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So let's bring our thoughts to a close. And what are the key things, if, if we've remembered nothing else tonight, uh, what, what the, that's been said, what, what do we take away from this? Well, we've looked at glorifying God in our prayers. Lord Jesus Christ has instructed us to pray, hallowed be your name. May God's name be held high. May it be glorified in all we say and all we do. Your kingdom, your will be done. We are taught to pray according to God's will, that it may be accomplished as it's set out in the word of God. Let's pray according to the promises of God. And finally, persistent in prayer. Pray in prayer. Give us day by day our daily bread. Sometimes we have to keep praying, keep asking, keep knocking. If it's something that really matters to us. There's no promise that our prayers are going to be answered as we expect. But God does indeed. And, and there's uh, many times that God has answered, heard and answered prayer.